This episode is brought to you by Longhorn Lager from Farmer's Creed Beer. It's time to grab the bull by the horns. The musician who created our theme song. Yes, of course. You know, I mean, I live for punk rock and beer and bullshit. Occasionally, family, other stuff, but those are my three core tenets. And you really are. Have you listened to? I'm putting you on the spot. He's not here, but our guest, the frontman of Deforesters. Did you check them out? I mean, we talked. We play a little bit of them, like literally maybe 20 seconds every week. Have you listened to them much? Um. Yes, <laughs> you have put me on the spot. It's fine. I feel like Deforesters would be right up your cousin's alley because they've got some. There's a bit of a Springsteen vibe. I think they have a song like reference Springsteenian or something like that. But I think they'd be more in my alley. And we've talked about this before. I'm we- just, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to get back into music and exploring music because you know my son's 14 and he's exploring music right. in a way that's kind of cool and organic. I'm like, now I got to think about stuff, best albums, album, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I feel like most people tap out at their like that's a scientific fact that you stop appreciating new music as much as you used to at a certain age like 15 to 25 right something like that that's for the me formative it's like 90, music years. 94 that's kind of the vibe around the mid 90s is when i kind of just that's so, when you stopped i think so certainly so. for hip-hop and punk rock the, no way a lot of the stuff that you're super into is like late 90s like salt and pepper no. when did uh <laughs> when did when did uh hit me baby one more time come out we what were year? we were in well Britney Spears is the same age as us. What year did that song come out? We were in grade 10. So I'm gonna say when we were in grade 10. No. We were in grade it 10. It was 1998. That's I've said yeah. the same kind of thing. I thought it was the same age. We were like 14. So I guess like three years prior. And that is a song I'm very into to this day. So good call. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like you, <laughs> your your music no, yeah, I get it, I get pinnacle it. went okay. at least until. So, okay, yeah. 98 to 2005. I'll expand it considerably. So you're starting with Britney. I would have gone a little bit. That's yeah. when I music got a little came earlier. alive for me with that album. That's when the, she woke up my ears. A lot of parts of me woke up when I first saw Britney Spears, to be honest. It's a great video and a great song. Anyway, welcome to the show. It's Beer and Bullshit, the podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. This is Chris Peller, and I pointed at him like he could see us because we're looking at an awkward video of ourselves. Ben, good to point back good, at you. Good, good pointing all around. Uh, we haven't been, we haven't had a show in a couple weeks, and guess what? No one seemed to notice or care. I didn't get any angry emails. Uh, one person noted that they they were glad we were coming back this week, but otherwise people were not like, "What the fuck." But I guess that's not a thing you do when your favorite podcast doesn't pop up in your feed. You don't. You just get annoyed. You don't really do anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I mostly get like mildly disappointed for the podcast I listen to, and then I just wait for a few days or a week, and yeah. then another one comes, and then I said, "Hey, my friends are back." I said, "Hey, Ben and Chris are hey, back." There's my friends. It's beer bullshit time. <laughs> uh, we also probably took off the two weeks where like more has happened to change the beer industry in the history of Ontario than ever before. So that was good timing. Uh, in case you weren't aware, Doug Ford has uh, signaled the official uh, dissolution of the master framework agreement that the province has with the beer store. So when it runs out in uh, 
2025, they won't be renewing their contract. So basically unlimited beer sales are on the horizon for Ontario. You can, if you own a grocery store, a convenience store, a gas station, somewhere that sells food, you can apply for a retail liquor license starting in 2025. Not liquor, but wine and beer. If you're looking for a problem around 1.30 a.m. with a few drunk students, <laughs> they're coming in looking for that last brew after they got kicked out of the bar. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I yeah, I think I might, I've made my opinion on this pretty well known. It's it's just kind of whatever. Like, I, the beer store is fucking stupid, and I've written about it for 10 years about how fucking stupid it is, so... I don't think they're actually going anywhere. I think the beer store will just adapt and be a much smaller footprint, but they're still, you know, it's the, it's the retail outlet of three of the biggest breweries in the world. So that they're going to be just fine, but you know, they will have beer in fucking seven 11s and, you know, Budweiser and Coors Light will buy their way in there too. And we'll just have more of the same shit, just more conveniently available. Well, you know, I think access breeds competition. And I think it also, you know, you have neighborhood stores that are going to stock things that their neighborhood wants. I think that that's cool rather than, you know, sometimes a daunting experience, particularly for craft beer, for people that aren't into it. It's daunting going into an LCBO or a beer store and, especially a beer store where you can't see everything and touch it the same way you can in the LCBO. Well, it's designed that way on purpose. It's part of the problem, but yes. Yeah. I mean, so you just default to the, you know, the big macros. I think it'll, it'll just be great. The top 10 or you go to the ice cold express. You have to pay to be a part of the ice cold express. Do you work, do you work for brewers retail or what? I just love the ice cold express. Uh, Yeah, I agree. There will be the odd, like, I don't know, there'll be a chain of like Max Milk or something where they're like, we've decided to fully embrace craft beer. Like if you go to Montreal, every variety store and grocery store has like shitty beer, but then there's like a depth that will just blow your mind. So presumably there'll be someone here that gives a fuck about craft beer and makes it interesting. Uh, But for the most part, you know, it's going to be beer at Costco and I don't know where else, the, the gas station, but you're right. There will be, I don't know, we'll see. That's not like I'm like, you know what when they went into uh, grocery stores a couple of years ago it didn't change my life but it's nice when you're grocery shopping sometimes and you have that craft beer selection and I think I've shifted to most of my beer purchases were from a grocery store after that point honestly is that just laziness I'd be like oh grow up yeah that's pure laziness <laughs> yeah or from a brewery which has always been my mo like that I was gonna say that's my main spot to buy beer is a brewery but you know every time I go to the LCBO I'm like God, I wish I was going to a brewery instead. Yeah, my my I think my top choice, and then I'm not playing favorites, they're just close geographically, would be to buy beer, beer directly from Anderson. And then there's a metro closer to my house. So it's you know, six knack or maybe some Guinness. So that's I'm fucking boring. So that's why I have a beer podcast. <laughs> but we have someone on the show tonight who's not boring. We've got Matt Bod. We briefly mentioned uh, punk rock and uh, beer at the top of the show because Matt Bod is all about punk rock and craft beer. He, uh, I met Matt as my uh, very knowledgeable bartender at Bar Hop when it first opened back in, I think, 2012, 2013, uh, as a student at the Second City Conservatory back when it was at that Shoppers Drug Mart there at John and King. And... Uh, Still, to me, the gold standard for beer bars. I loved, I mean, Volo, yes, of course, Volo is Volo. But for me, Bar Hop was like 
this is perfect. There's good food, there's good staff, good location, walkable to the Jays, arguably a little, a little, a little outside of the geography, maybe where you want to be, if you want to be, you know, make it drink right up until the, the first pitch, but love that spot. And uh, Matt was like a guy, if he had the time, he could talk your ear off about beer all day long. So I'm looking forward to chatting with Matt. If you guys are looking for nostalgia about drinking beer at cool beer bars 10, 11 years ago in Toronto, tonight is the night. No, we're not going to go too heavy on no, that. No, no. I'm excited has, to talk to Matt. Matt has, uh, he's now a brewer at the Great Lakes Brewery and a distiller. And uh, I'm not going to forget to talk about his new business venture where he cooks, he cooks food with fire. A novel concept. Heat cooking food. Well, you know, refined from the Neanderthals to now in a brutal and beautiful way. Wow. You're doing the marketing for Matt Bod now? Well, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm in a poetic mood. Is that why your pants are off? Well, that was for you, but anyway, let's get going. Oh, you shaved your legs. Okay, here's Matt Bod. Here we go. Hello, Matt. We're now officially Good. recording you. Wonderful. So we did clear up one of my questions. Do you still work for Great Lakes? <laughs> so yes. I do, I do still work for Great Lakes, yes. <laughs> what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking Old Dusseldorf, uh, which is a beer we make at Great Lakes. Uh, it's an alt beer. Uh, so The only one he didn't get. He just got back from Great Lakes. He said, I have everything that was in the fridge. I said, I'll take an Old Dusseldorf. I was like, that's the only one I didn't get. <laughs> Fun coincidence, going to my wife, my in-law Christmas party, two full cases. I'm like, I got everything, right? I got everything. Got back in the car. No Old Dusseldorf. My 12-year-old was like, where's the Old Dusseldorf? Is that true? A little bit. She's like, what about this one with the O? This one looks good. <laughs> uh, I'll see if our London rep can drop you off a couple cans. Have you guys ever met? Probably not. No, I don't think so. We we have, we almost saw Bod perform. Wait, you know the the yeah, the only time we've ever seen Screeching Wheels alive. Oh, then yeah. You yeah. opened for them, but we were we're drinking. We missed your whole set. We just came for Weasel. <laughs> That's fair. That's, I, I would never. I would never blame anyone for uh, skipping the opening band. <laughs> the first time we met, I noticed you had a weasel tattoo. We started talking. You're like, I opened for them once. And then I figured out, like, that's the only time I've ever seen them. I was at that show. <laughs> that's cool. So Matt was, Matt, I think you were like my, like, it seemed like you were always at Bar Hop. When I was taking classes at Second City across the street, it was a regular before or after spot. Still a great spot as far as I know. I haven't been in so long, but. Yeah, I, I mean, the guy uh, that, you know, took over my role within the company, I think, has done a great job of uh, of kind of keeping the tap list, um, you know, high quality. So his name is Ollie. Uh, and yeah, I think he he's done an amazing job. The thing I like most about actually, the thing I like most was dollar oysters on Mondays to just sit at the bar and get fuck a shock. That was so fucking good. What? Does that even exist anymore in this? I think we still mode? do it. Yeah, Can I know. Yeah, I think they still do it. And Bryden's does Buckashuck too, I'm pretty sure. So did you bring Buckashuck to Great Lakes then? No. Uh we they do have oysters at the brewery sometimes, but uh yeah, I don't, I don't think they're a dollar. Across Toronto though. I did the Buckashuck at Great Lakes one day, uh, with a couple of random buddies that I work with and oh, yeah. we stopped in and you know, yeah, let's get 24 oysters on our way. And we're sitting in the QEW and they're like, what, what are we doing here? And we're sitting <laughs> on the it was good. It was really good. It's never yeah. 
Um, yeah, we were talking, we were joking. I was going to go deep into your history tonight, and you're like, oh, fuck. I, but and I, I'm going to fuck. No, it's Smokeless Joe's was what it was called, right? Yeah, Smokeless Joe. I, I started working there actually as a cook, uh, and I took that job because I was allowed to take as much time off as I wanted to go on tour. Okay. Uh, so that was like I had been previously working as a server, and I was looking for uh, a new job that I basically couldn't get any serving or bartending jobs uh, because I, every single place I'd get an interview, I'd be like, well, yeah, there's just this one thing is that like I need to leave for like three to four weeks at a time once every couple months and <laughs> just kind of like look at you like, OK, thanks for wasting my time, pal. <laughs> um, and then line cooks, they're like, we'll take any degenerate. That, that was totally <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, my friend Jeremy worked there. And he was like, you know what, Joe needs someone in the kitchen and he'll, you know, you just got to like show up when you say you're going to show up and it'll be fine. So in my mind, that was a place that like had decent craft beer, because I feel like you talked about it as being a place that opened your eyes to decent beer. But I, I've never I never went there. Yeah, it was one of the first uh, it was one of the original beer bars in the city. Um, and it was I and, you know everything i'm about to say may or may not be truth uh true because no one's gonna check <laughs> these are all stories i heard that were kind of passed down orally um that it was started by a guy a very strange guy uh whose name was sergio um but <laughs> I guess he thought that like no one would want to go to smokeless sergio's so he called it smokeless joe <laughs> um and it was the first non-smoking bar in the city and he also ah. There's all this other, like, it was in the basement on John Street right across from the Hooters. Right. Um, or not quite just across from the Hooters, but that was definitely the, like, the closest landmark. And um, <laughs> it was this, this weird little basement bar. And, you know, he did everything really differently for the early 90s. And one of those things was he had all European beers, um, including lots of Belgian beers. Uh, and no Molson, no Budweiser, anything like that. And there was other stuff like he would, he would yell at you if you put your coat on the back of your bar stool and make you put it on the coat rack. Mm. Um, Classy. I like this. I like this vibe. Yeah. How uh, do you feel about baseball hats? Because that's in a restaurant that drives me bananas. How do I feel about it, or how did he feel? How do you feel? I'm, I'm sure he hated it, but I never. Uh, I, you know, I never experienced that firsthand, um, but he did. He ended up selling it to a guy whose actual name was Joe, uh, or at least, yeah, he went by Joe. Uh, and, um, but I guess he still lived upstairs. So like sometimes if like one of the employees was out, like having a cigarette, even out back, he'd like yell at you. Like some guy would randomly start yelling at you. Like, this is smokeless Joe. You're not supposed to smoke here. Oh, so he kept it going. He kept the smokeless vibe. Yeah. Well, by that time, smoking was uh, like, you weren't allowed to smoke in bars. Right. <laughs> so it was like redundant, but um, he still felt very passionately about it. And he felt that no one that worked there should uh, be allowed to like smoke a cigarette within a hundred meters of the place or whatever. I kind of like that too. I like this. I like this. Joe and Sergio. I like their vibe. I don't roll. I like. I don't like rolling up to a restaurant and I see the line cook hacking a butt. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's but he would do it like if you were like out back in the like filthy alley. Yeah, so that's where that's you, where that's supposed to happen. You yeah, need, but he would yell at you for that too. Oh no, you need a milk crate you can squat on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but what was your like? Like, I'm assuming, like the rest of us, you were in a punk band. You're probably drinking on copious amounts of shitty beer. What yep. was like the moment where you're like, "Oh, this is a beer. This this is different." Because I feel like you were there was like, like only a handful of really good bars and like voices in those bars that I think were doing craft beer really well when Bar Hop opened up. Like it was like the only and Beer Bistro and Say What, but like other than that, it was you had to go to a brewery. So it was like the first instant, first time where I was like, these guys really give a fuck about beer. And then the the posting the date you last clean your draft lines i that's my favorite that should be a, a bylaw that should be the law right. everywhere yeah. i mean the thing is if you made it a bylaw there would be places that would just lie right. uh, but right. I, I agree in spirit yeah. uh but yeah i mean so yeah joe's is the first place that i worked that i i was even aware that beer was something that you gave a fuck about beyond like um you know like before that beer was just like uh you know, the, the same way you go to the, you would maybe go to the grocery store and be like, which type of mass produced bread do I want? Or, right. um, you know, the, the difference between like the different cans of beans, like, do I want Unico or do I want the other, you know, the no name kind, like right. that was kind of how, you know, I thought about beer and I was aware that other stuff existed, but like, I didn't realize that anyone really cared about it. Um, and so they had beers on tap at the time that was uh, Durham Black Hat was yeah. one that was like instantly like oh man this is amazing this is this is you know so like radically different uh and they had like different belgian beers on tap uh la trap triple um and uh you know german stuff they had konig ludwig weiss beer um which i'm told was kind of the main inspiration for denison's this is uh -huh. what you know this is what you know again these are things that are were passed around you know as like rumors and stuff i mean hancock listens to the show he will fact check this that yeah that's fine that's, I welcome that. <laughs> that uh, like to know the truth uh but <laughs> it was a great beer either way and i don't think there would be any shame in uh, no, no. uh you know um so yeah they had stuff like that and other like you know at the time what else is on tap church key um you know sometimes uh like duggan's number nine. Oh yeah you would get that was when it was like brand new like it wasn't even in bottles at the lcbo yet um and then like flying monkeys um was just starting to come out and then they moved to a new place on college and you know uh muskoka mad tom came out and i think those you know that was definitely a beer where i was like oh my god this is the craziest thing i've ever how could it possibly taste like this and you know mm -hmm. really kind of i think set me on the path and then how did you end up bartending at Bar Hop? Wait, have a sip of beer. I'll make my question longer. So. <laughs> what are you drinking, Ben? I'm drinking a local lager. Really mix it up. I'm drinking Keats from Storm State. Fantastic beer. Um, yeah, so uh, I was working at the one on college. It wasn't doing as well as the one on John Street had done. Basically, like the the crazy original owner that's still in the building ended the lease we had to move um so i actually started working at great lakes uh on the bottling line oh i didn't know that i thought you were bar hop and then great lakes no it was so i i started i, I worked there about six to eight months or so um and fired for sexual harassment i was not <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey um and basically 
So Joe, who owns Smokeless Joe, his nephew Rob left to start his own bar. And that's what Bar Hop became. And he was like, do you want to work, work there? And so I said, okay, I, you know, we opened and I ended up, the plan was to work a couple days a week and still work a couple days a week at Great Lakes. But within like two weeks, it was obvious that it's like, okay, this is, I'm going to be here all the time and it's going to be my only job. And plus tips are better than working a bottling line. Let's be real. Yeah. Especially in uh, 2012. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Back when people went to restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, it was, you know, it, the, you know, that first location did, uh, you know, it wasn't like an instant runaway success, but it built up pretty quickly into something that was successful. And uh, that kind of became the focus of my life for a good seven or eight years. Yeah, I feel like it went from like, hey, this is a cool spot to like, fuck, there's nowhere to sit. Like, it was so quick. That was the that other, was definitely the, an issue. Yeah. The other option was, at least for me, was always the Charlotte room. Did mm -hmm. you ever end up there? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, the pool tables and stuff. Yeah, right? it was nice. It was a nice spot. They actually once let me host a poker game in there, which is totally not legal. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, eh, I'm in here once a week because that was like a post Second City hangout. So that was where I would have a, a bourbon and a cobblestone stout on tap. I still mm -hmm. would go for a cobblestone stout on tap. It's still a pretty decent beer. Sure. So how did you end up brewing again? Or I guess getting into brewing. Because everyone thinks that there's a, oh, you love beer, you must brew. And, and it's almost never the case. Like, sure, there's a lot of home brewers who are like, why would you, why would I buy beer when I can make my own? But for the most part, it's not a one-to-one. -one. Like, if you like beer, you don't necessarily want to make it. Yeah, no, and I mean, there's, I think it's a very, um, it's a specific type of person that wants to make beer, or at least makes beer and then continues to want to make beer, mm -hmm. uh, you know? And I think I kind of came from the world of punk rock, which is, you know, the whole thing is like, you, you just do it, you, you know, and like you, you know, it's like everyone should do this is kind of the, the general like attitude within the world of punk rock. And, you know, that very much carried over. I mean, honestly, it still carries over to my life to this day. Um, so, you know, I had, while I was at Great Lakes, you know, I left there on, on really good terms. Um, and I had made pretty good friends with, uh, Mike Lackey, um, who is the, uh, head of brewing operations. That's his, his official title now, but, mm -hmm. you know, was basically the, uh, creative, he, he still is the, you know, kind of creative director of, uh, brewing as well as, you know, he was the driving force that kind of turn great lakes from um you know a place that mostly made uh you know well it, he, he was you know i think the creative force that moved it from um what it was up until 2010 or so to what it has become now yeah yeah we had him on the show we talked about it it's first like they were basically brewing with like homebrew shit like they managed to burn beer the first couple of times that he and Peter made beer. So yeah. We did talk about his evolution to, and then going to, to like basically from pushing a broom to going to study a beer to, you yeah. know, I mean, I think most people that listen to this show know who Mike Bucky is. Chris has a, a poster of him in his room, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it only, it was like, like 1989 or so. And yeah. that was the only time he did those topless posters. <laughs> 
Hockey you know, still got the long goatee. <laughs> that that's, that that would have been that time, yeah. Um, so yeah, he, um, you know, kind of what happened was, uh, you know, we were buying bar hop was buying a lot of beer from Great Lakes, and you know, he and I were were kind of buddies, uh, and you know, he said, well, let's, you know, why don't you come, you know, we'll brew a beer together on the pilot system that Ben, I think you probably brewed on once or twice, yeah, uh, with him and uh you know it was kind of like we made a you know you know i didn't i i had been homebrewing and stuff so i kind of had an idea of what i was doing but not i had no business making beer professionally that's for sure right um, so but what kind of what happened was um you know he was great lakes was growing and and getting busier and subsequently he was getting busier uh, and kind of it just started turning into me just kind of coming to brew there once a week on the pilot system. And at first he would kind of, you know, be with me like 70% of the time. And then it turned to, you know, like the percentage kept going down. Um, you're dicking around on the pilot system. Like you're not doing, you're not helping him with like volume beers. If you're on the pilot system, you just got to play around pretty much. Yeah. That's pretty uh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, so he, uh, you know, I got a, a ton uh, of guidance from him um, and a lot of like real world world experience, which was, you know, incredibly valuable. And then I also. Did you uh, ever go to Bryden's with him? I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty sure his then, car goes there automatically after work. Already. Yeah. <laughs> you set it on autopilot. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I got a lot of other great advice from other people, uh, Ian and Cody at Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they let me come and, you know, hang out while they brewed at the brew pub down uh, on the waterfront. Um, I got tons of great advice from uh, BIM, uh, from Brandon Judd from Aveling, um, you know, the guys in Indy, you know, all sorts of people that were kind of around at that time. Yeah, uh, everyone was very um, open and sharing with, uh, you know, with whatever advice and other help that uh, that I could ask for. And, yeah, I mean, you already had all the right connections, right? You're pouring them, pouring their beers and pouring yeah. beers for them. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they would come to the bar for beers and stuff. So, you know, it would just naturally turn into, you know, conversations. Um, and then Bar Hop opened a second location uh, with the goal of putting a small brewery in the main floor and that's where i kind of started brewing professionally okay on a very small scale right right that makes sense is that does there still beer being made there like no it's like wait a minute yeah no, there was a guy that took over when i left he had been the assistant brewer and um you know I, I tried a couple of beers he made and i i had recommended him i was like you should definitely like don't try and hire someone new to replace me you should you should promote him mm -hmm. uh, i think last i heard he was at the exchange but um i mean he was he's a great brewer so you know i'm sure he's doing well wherever he is so what's your brewing style what uh what type of beer do you do you choose to brew given like a blank slate um i like uh you know what i think would typically be described as like uh, brewer beers, you know, um, so that, 
goes to loggers, but then, you know, what I think I really specialize in is uh, Saison. Uh, and, you know, that's something that it's hard to specialize in because most people don't really care to drink it all that much. Uh, but it's definitely. I was just going to, I don't, is there, there's no Saison in your lineup? Uh, no, I don't think I, did I see a Saison in the fridge on Saturday at Great Lakes? I'm not sure. I just missed it. Like there was some, there, there was definitely some there on Friday, um, but it was like the, there was like two cases left, and it was uh, it was called Cardinal. Uh, it was a can with a red label, and it was kind of like, uh, a, like I'm gonna back up. I've got some Cardinal in my fridge. Maybe oh, I should go get that yeah, right let's now. Let's drink one of those right now. All right, we're gonna, gonna go ahead. Critique it. I'm gonna go full Jordan St. John. Yeah. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Actually, I'm kidding. I, I did already hear Jordan's uh, critique. He said he oh no, it, really? He thought it was too clean, but that's too what? Too clean, like too, too clean. That's a great criticism. Simple. Yeah. Too clean. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I love a good saison. Me too. Uh, and you know, I I'm thankful that you know I get to brew them at Great Lakes, and they always sell at a pace that I think um, you know no one no one objects the next time I say, "Hey, can we brew a saison?" Yeah, uh, I think the demand is there. Is it not? I don't know. Well, I think the nice thing now is that there's um, nobody else makes them anymore. So, uh, you know, it's you can kind of be like the one person to uh, to do it. I think the understanding of a a saison is not there for the general public. You know what? People understand stouts and IPAs and lagers, but nobody quite knows what a saison is without trying one first. And then even then it might be, oh, I tried it as part of a flight. I don't quite know what a saison tastes like. And so people don't reach for it. It's a nice beer. Well, and also like people, I feel like people totally romanticize the IPA like backstory when the Saison has a way douchier backstory. Like if you want to be like, <laughs> do you know what a Saison is? Like you'll yeah. more people than with like the same old tired story with extra hops in the boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, the, the Saison story is even true. So that's. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Demonstrably uh, true. Verifiable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you want to tell it? Let's. You, I'm gonna make you tell it because maybe there's one listener who's like, "What? Maybe they maybe they missed the Little Beast episode where it was probably." We're here all to we're here to educate people. Yeah, okay. This is for Joe uh, Schmo. So I, it's a Belgian style uh, from the Wallonia region, uh, which is the southeast part of Belgium, and uh, basically there was kind of, uh, as in most places, there was large farms. Uh, you know, however, a couple hundred years ago. And as in most other places, uh, part of your daily payment as a farm worker uh, was uh, beer. You know, I think in France, it might have been wine most of the time, but and in England, sometimes it was cider, but it was always that was that was kind of a thing where like you got a little bit of alcohol uh, as part of your daily uh, kind of payment. Uh, Yeah, so before Justin Trudeau ruined everything. That's it's all yeah. I mean that's that's definitely who I blame. Uh, that's that's why no one buys Saison anymore, too. It's just I think so too. Pierre yeah. Polyev will bring back to Saison. <laughs> um so basically these big farms would have all these seasonal workers that would come work in the summer. They would keep some workers on in the winter, and part of their job would be to brew beer. Uh the beer would get brewed in the winter and then conditioned until the summer um when it would be kind of paid out as a daily ration 
uh, to farm workers as like throughout the day to refresh them. Um, so historically they were lower ABV, uh, refreshing beers that definitely would have had, um, you know, influence from wild yeast and stuff, uh, from brett and other, uh, types of bacteria. Um, if we fast forward then, you know, a hundred years or so to post-World War II, uh, you know, so many breweries got destroyed in the wars, um, or, you know, and they had the same types of, um, you know, breweries closing up and that kind of thing, uh, through being bought by larger companies. Um, the only brewery that survived was uh, Brasserie DuPont that still made uh, Saison. So that's kind of what most of our modern interpretations of Saison are kind of based on Saison DuPont. Mm. Um, and that is a clean Saison that is kind of peppery, dry, uh, has a fair bit of a hot bite to it, uh, and very, very pale. But yeah. they would have been a lot more idiosyncratic say 150 years ago than uh than what we see now interesting i didn't know that part about saison dupont i didn't know how many of our and if you drink it at the lcbo it used to be just a little bit skunky yeah it's <laughs> a little bit of that yeah i love that ben prompted that story as you know everyone knows the history of saison oh, but please repeat it again that was all of that was fresh information for me oh, um one of my favorites i think my favorite beer backstory is where the name grisette came from which may or may not be true but like the people that drank it were the workers that wore gray that's one of the things or they worked in mines and were like city gray and drank like low alcohol beer after their job yeah the other the other explanation is that the uh there was uh be leaving the mines and they're to get their daily ration of beer at the end of the day and like as they would be leaving, there would be young women in gray smocks that would like hand you a beer. As yes, you that's the one. <laughs> which does kick like that's like you know to be leaving work and just be handed a beer. That sounds uh, that sounds pretty awesome to me. Um, but that's kind of the other where grisette means little gray in in Belgian or in, in French, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that would kind of explain. Uh, those are the best those are the kinds of stories don't dig too deep just pretend <laughs> yeah totally yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, cardinal's, cardinal's really nice thank you it's too clean i agree no i'm just kidding yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that you know what it, <laughs> does it say saison anywhere on here it's good uh, it's, maybe not i don't know I say, oh. <laughs> doesn't hmm. we're gonna read the can now while you watch us read the can <laughs> Well, Once a upon a time, there was a woman in a gray smock. That's not even accurate. That's about Grisette. She was on a boat to India? What? <laughs> just conflating all the stories. For the royal court of Catherine the Great? <laughs> <laughs> just testing if people read the beer cans. I like that. So, okay, I'm not. I'm going to try to say this in a nice way. I know you're a distiller. I feel like not a lot of attention is paid to the hard alcohol that's made at Great Lakes Brewery. Like, I think I've had like one soda drink from there. Like yeah. what's what's going on? Like what, what, what and where are you distilling in there? So uh, there's gin that we only sell at the retail store in the brew pub. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we haven't talked about this on like social media or anything, but like I've been making whiskey for a couple of years now. Oh. Ooh. 
and not you not in that. you can't legally call it that for at least another year. Oh well, yeah, sorry. We've been making white. Bullshit. Belt. You're making uh, <laughs> uh, is sitting in barrels, slowly transforming into whiskey. Yeah. Um, so, so you're yeah. not selling it before it's whiskey. No. Okay. We decided not to, uh, not not to cross that uh, that forbidden line. Well, you can. You just can't call it whiskey. I guess that's true. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, that was the whole point of. Well, that's why gin exists. You have to do something to keep the lights on yeah. your here before your whiskey's ready. Right. Let's throw uh, some herbs in this vodka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. I mean, the the short answer is like it was never meant to be you know it was i don't think it was ever meant to be like all right now we're a distillery it was right. more like, this is like a little thing to add on to the brewery and you know um as time went on i just ended up doing more brewing and less distilling so like i am still distilling i expect that in a couple of years we'll have a whiskey to uh to release um if I didn't screw up too badly, but, uh, you know, it's not, I don't think there's any plans to make it like a major focus of the business or anything. It's more like a bonus. It's also like, if you thought like craft brewers had a tough go with taxation and shit, distilling is fucking insane. Yeah. I, I definitely think that, you know, that, that definitely influenced the like, all right, you know, like we probably, this is probably just going to be a little side project kind of uh, aspect of the brewery as opposed to like, you know, a major facet of uh, the business plan. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the Toronto Distilling Company. Yeah. Guys, yeah. In the place that became People's Pint. Yeah. They were adamant that they were going to change the laws and they fought a lot of fights against the LCBO. Yeah. And the, the system chewed them up and spit them out. It's like yeah. they fought the good fight, but it just yeah. didn't go anywhere. It was painful. It was an uphill battle. Yeah. They also famously, like everyone opens a distillery and is like, yeah, we make vodka and gin while we wait for our whiskey. These guys were like, no, no, new make. That's what they called. That's what they called their moonshine. Then they thought like, no, this is like a connoisseur thing. This is all organic new make. And it was like, it was fucking moonshine. Like if you took yeah. a, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I still have a bottle of it. It was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated the effort. Like they made an all organic beet spirit. I think I have a bottle of that still too. 170 proof tastes like beets. I can't believe it wasn't a huge seller. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was pretty intense. Are you looking for a smooth, lightly filtered lager with a balanced taste and crisp finish? Grab the bull by the horns. Longhorn Lager from Farmer's Creed Beer is available at select beer and LCBO stores now. Details at farmerscreedbeer.com. Yeah. So, yeah. so where, did you guys have a big still somewhere? Like those things are massive and expensive. Like I mean, We have a small still. Okay. Uh, that was, I mean, the story is, I guess, Peter's dad who was the original owner of the brewery mm -hmm. had always wanted to start a distillery. Um, like, like in addition to having a brewery, like he'd always wanted to distill spirits as well. Um, and this, if you remember the early days of COVID, um, there was this kind of um, mad dash to make hand sanitizer. Right. I do remember Great Lakes hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
<laughs> it got you there though. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. It, 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 um, so in your mask before you go grocery shopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, um, Great Lakes had just kind of fully stocked up kegs right before everything shut down. Uh, and so I think there was like 500 kegs came back to the brewery within a couple weeks of everything shutting down. Um, so, you know, so somehow Peter ended up talking to the people at Muskoka and they were kind of like, oh yeah, we have a still that like, we're not using. Do you want to just like take it and like, we'll figure it out later? Which I, I think, you know, is a good illustration of like the, you know, what a wild time that was. <laughs> yeah. um, that was like, a, yeah, okay, yeah, just take this. Um, and go play with super dangerous alcohol vapor. <laughs> <Yeah. it> <laughs> uh, so um, Peter got the still and, you know, they kind of hooked it up. And I think he spent a couple weeks like figuring it out and then... I think he was like, I have an actual business to run. Um, So, you know, I was sitting at home because Bar Hop had laid everyone off kind of when Doug Ford shut everything down. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just kind of sitting at home going insane. Um, You know, like I, I'm not, I'm not accustomed to being idle. And uh, Peter called me and was like, hey, do you want to come down to the brewery? I might have some work for you. And I was like, okay, sure. And I was there like an hour later um, thinking I was going to talk to him. And he's like, okay, so here's how you work the still. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I was, because we were just making hand sanitizer to start, uh, I didn't have to worry <laughs> about it tasting good. So that explains why you were so disappointed, Ben. Yeah. Um, no juniper? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I spent a month or so learning how to distill by making uh, hand sanitizer that smelled terrible. And, um, you know, from there, I spent a whole bunch of time figuring out how to put together a gin recipe and, you know, how, how to make things taste good. Uh, and it kind of went from there. What did you distill from when you started your like actual booze? Like there's actually, I'm blanking on the name of the distillery in Brooklyn maybe Kings or something, but it was like the first distillery to open in Brooklyn in a hundred years. And they put out this book. It was actually awesome book with a detailed, like, here's how you make whiskey. And they actually said the first time you basically just use beer, like, because you're essentially, I mean, it's basically the same thing. So you may as well just start with beer as your distillate. So what were you using to, as your like base? Yeah, that's basically what we use is um, it's like, think of like barley wine with no hops and a lot more rye and corn. uh, Yeah. Okay. Barley wine. Nice. Yeah. It was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I like the idea of like, I was going to make like a moonshine shack in my backyard, but it's really fucking complicated. Like to make your own stuff. It's like, no way. Like the first two steps in, I'm like, fuck this. I'm not an engineer. I just want to make moonshine. I mean, listeners to the show know how Ben feels about homebrew stuff. So like (laughs) distilling the extra process and then sit and wait for. Yeah, but everyone homebrews. Like who was making moonshine? That would have been cool. Imagine imagine right now we're just drinking a jug of just shit that makes you blind. (laughs) I was in Ireland and our tour guide was said, I know a guy in this one town and he sells a little bit of moonshine out of the back of his van 
I'm like, this is it. This is where you get moonshine. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I mean, definitely a big, big tip for you. Didn't hook me up. No. <laughs> I don't know. That would have been a problem bringing it back. I wanted like, you know, nice Irish whiskey and I'm going to get busted for the Irish moonshine that cost, you know, two quid. Yeah, I can't put that on an airplane. <laughs> so, uh, what's your musical career like these days? Are you still touring? Uh, no, no touring. Uh, I, you know, I've always kind of said like I'll never rule it out again. Uh, to, like that I'll never do it again. But um, so the Foresters kind of got back together halfway through the pandemic, recording another right. album. Um, it's, it's so many people got into your band because of the eight seconds of your song we play at the beginning of this show every day, every week. That was it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, we're flooded. Um, so <laughs> we're kind of very, I mean, we've always been a band that uh did things uh at a glacial pace, right? Uh, and we're continuing that tradition in getting this album out. So, but uh, it is completely done and uh, and recorded and mastered and everything. So, so your music is fast, but your business model is very slow. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, to call it a business model would be... Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of the polite way to say the way you do shit. Ain't nothing yeah. more punk rock than a clean business model. <laughs> but it's, a, it's also a band that's like, has a lot of beer-related uh, connections, right? As in like everyone except one person works in a brewery uh now it is actually i'm the only person in the band that still works at a brewery oh now <laughs> dark now or what uh i just moved to other so uh, the drummer um zach he and i met at great lakes when the first time when i worked at the bottling line and we became friends and so he actually left great lakes because his other band was kind of on the cusp of becoming a professional band mm -hmm. um, so he's in the band pup uh, right pup. And, i just read uh, about him <laughs> yeah so that's kind of what he's been doing for the last decade and then we just do deforesters like when he's in town when he's you know not busy um and then uh chris our lead guitar player he's kind of had a million different jobs but he did work at bose and nickelbrook back in the day um and then uh, Sean, our old rhythm guitar player, worked at Indie Ale House for a bit. And Lisa, our keyboard player, worked at Great Lakes and Collective Arts, but has now transitioned into being a full-time musician. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where everyone... And, P and Peter Bullet does lead vocals for you. He does lead vocals and he plays the tambourine. <laughs> that would work, I feel like. <laughs> Am I crazy? Or were you also... Did you also play bluegrass at one point? I did, yeah. I played like a, in like a bluegrass punk band for uh, yeah about a year and a half. It was fun. That's... What is that? Distorted banjos? Like, how does that work? How does a bluegrass punk band? Uh, I mean, it was uh, no, nothing was distorted. Um, so, but there was like a drummer as opposed to like traditional bluegrass. You wouldn't have a drummer, mm. and the drummer would basically play like punk beats. Um, along to like bluegrass instrumentation because if you if you if you take like traditional bluegrass you can imagine a punk drummer behind it no problem it's a very like this the second you start doing the mental exercise to like picture it it's like oh yeah it's right there um so that was kind of what it was and then you know like the lyrics were less about like uh you know the blue moon of kentucky and more about you know things that 
were relevant to my life. <laughs> like what kind of stuff like uh angst in your romantic life or yes a little bit and then you know like uh living in uh toronto has always been kind of a uh and like the complicated feelings about that um has always been kind of a theme that kind i of think i think our quote-unquote theme song is about spring in toronto right it's called cigarette yeah. but dog shit yeah, yeah okay yeah. <laughs> that's right that's what spring in toronto Spang, is. Huh? Yeah, yeah i got it i live there yeah yeah, I, the, the the other bluegrass bluegrass punk connection I have is that there's a I feel like I've already told both of you. Well, you know this. There's blue. What are they called? Grass stains or uh, honey wagon? Yeah, but it's a it's a Blink One Eighty Two bluegrass tribute. <laughs> it's like I think better than Blink. Like, it's really yeah. really good. And if you grew up listening to Blink, it's like I can sing along to this bluegrass and it's wicked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll play that. That's going to be the song we play on the way out tonight. Well, it's a good transition for. Uh... Pell's Corner tonight. Sweet. I was going to ask if you had one, but I... So my, you know, my new song, it's still also in post-production. So I feel... I was like going to ask. I was I was really hoping we'd get to hear it tonight. It's not ready. The it's not It's not ready yet. You know gotcha. what? We move at a glacial pace here at Beyond yeah. Bullshit also. <laughs> but we don't have our soundboard open, so we can't actually play it right now. We'll okay. Imagine it's playing right now. All right. Imagine that sexy... Do you... Do you... Do you... Yeah. Um... You know, knowing Matt that uh, you're a punk rock guy and uh, you knew that Ben and I used to be in a punk rock band in high school, right? I do remember Ben. I didn't realize you were in the band too, but I do remember Ben telling you that. This guy's a bassist. This guy's born bassist. I mean, I did play bass in two punk bands, but in my heart, I was a singer, just not very good at singing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, there are a lot of connections between punk rock and craft brewing, at least on this show. Um, but I wanted to ask you to, uh, recommend, uh, you know, a seminal punk rock album in your life. Uh, and if you can, if you can't, don't worry about it. If you can tie it into, to beer. Ooh. Oh man, that, that's a tricky one. Um, seminal punk rock album in my life. Um, I'm going to say make sound by the copyrights. Oh. Uh, and how am I going to tie it into beer? The yeah, album... make it weird to tie it into beer? Well, I should have just stuck with punk rock, but I, I <laughs> wanted to at least tie it in with beer somehow. If you don't, I said you didn't have to. Oh, that's true. It's a good album. Just right. go ahead but and tell us about the album. It's a, yeah, it's a great album. It was something, you know, it came out when I was, you know, in my, I think early to mid twenties. And, um, I was kind of feeling like, you know, like I, I had kind of felt like I had grown away from punk rock a little bit uh, and that, you know, the the people making the music at the time weren't really like speaking, you know, to, you know, to who I was. Um, and then this album came out and it was basically about, you know, transitioning from being a teenage punk rocker to being uh, someone who had to like, uh, you know, pay rent uh and you know generally be an adult when you were still like a stupid punk rocker and you know like there's you know it's, it's songs about like making minimum wage and you know being a fucking idiot and trying to figure out how to how to be a functional member of society um and you know just kind of like you know figuring out who you were as a person 
and being from a small town, moving to a big city was something that, I, you know, that kind of ties into it a lot too. And, you know, that was something I related to a lot as well. If you never made that move, you're describing country music. <laughs> <laughs> like getting older and having a mortgage, yeah. wishing I had a pickup truck and a girl in a sundress. <laughs> yeah. uh, nice pair of faded blue jeans. Yeah, you got it. Cold <laughs> beer on a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is tough being like a young, idealistic, like punk rocker, right. and then all of a sudden, real life hits, and it's like, well, I better get in, better get into my job somewhere. You know, I became a banker. Uh, nothing feels more sellouty than, you know, being a banker. <laughs> Benny, you, you, same question. You, you, you got a punk rock album? I, I mean, my my one of my this is like not a good answer, but like, remember the No Effects album? So long, and thanks for all the shoes. Yeah, it wasn't even, they didn't that. even record it in the same room. Like he 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 did they <laughs> he recorded all, all the instrumentals and then he recorded the vocals on a different date. So like as like a vibe, it's not that good, but it's like it's just like the cleanest, tightest album. It's, it's everything about it is awesome. I, I love that album. Yeah. Very polarizing album, right? Because of that, it right. was so clean versus all no effects stuff, which was just kind of it was like endearing because it wasn't clean, and, and it sounded a lot of... like Heavy Petting Zoo, which had just come out, and then it was just like I don't know, just like a better version of him. like, but they just like oh, we almost had it on Heavy Petting Zoo, and then they went like full studio, and it was like ah, perfect. Not a very punk rock no effects album, but man, that I still rock that one today when I mow the lawn in my suburban neighborhood. <laughs> I'm going to go with lag wagon trashed and, and I am going to bring in a beer element. You know, I was right. 17 working as you, a, see, you asked this question so you can say this. I <laughs> thought of the question during the show and I just thought of the answer while you guys were talking. All right, all right. Um, I was working at a restaurant in a small town, uh, Lake Huron, uh, 17 years old. It and, sounds like a song. Like right this time. Um, you know, and, and I had like three albums three albums in the place and it was me and my buddy and we would listen to this album over and over and over you know and people would come up on the weekends and disappear and we're like what are we going to do for beer uh during the week and we would go to the liquor store and in, in the small town and try to get people to buy beer for us and uh you know we there was we when we would get the beer we'd come back and we listen to trash again you know, it's you called know? Trash. <laughs> and then we might get a little bit trash just yeah. a little a great record for sure that was your pal's corner that was i mean do you have i like it it's okay you know? i mean i don't have a, i don't have anything deeper than that matt if you've got any other like punk rock beer connections that i mean we 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 love to hear about that uh, I, I feel like there was a lot of people you know around you know 2010 to 2013 14 that were like punk rockers that you know transition like i don't know there was a real feeling around then that um you know craft beer was this like thing that was like you know, it sounds so like silly to say now but it's like it was like it felt like craft beer was this thing that was like this really um organic uh what's the word uh grassroots movement yeah. to you know, our whole lives we had been um, kind of fed this this crap that was just marketing uh, homogenized uh, bullshit from you know huge uh, global conglomerates. Um, when there was this kind of uh, cherished cultural um, uh, culinary product that 
that had almost been lost. And there was this kind of feeling that, well, we're going to bring it back. We're going to, you know, like, we're going to, we're all going to work together. And, you know, it was very, it felt very like teenage punk rock. Like we're going to take on the world. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the empire and the rebellion. It's exactly yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, there was so many people I met around that time that I was like, oh, hey, it's you. Now we do this. Like, I remember the first time um, Dustin and Braden from Blood Brothers, uh, Dustin showed up at Bar Hop with some samples. And I was like, Dustin? And, you know, we hadn't seen each other since we were, you know, 17, 18. They played in a band called the DBGs in Windsor. Um, or, you know, I remember meeting Rob Mora and Davey D at Smokeless Joe. And they were like, oh, you got a screeching weasel tattoo. Yeah, we just went to see him in Chicago, you know, and on and on and on. Nick, uh, Nick from uh, Beer Lab. Yeah. Right? Like he and I played shows together when we were teenagers and then, you know, didn't see each other for I don't know, a decade or so. And all of a sudden I ran into him at a tap takeover at Milos's back when it was still, well, what was it called before it was? Well, it was uh, in this different location, but yeah. Milos used to be the gym at a place called Yambrinas, which was like, yeah, it was you finally, yeah, you picked the draft stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was all these people that I either reconnected with or connected with for the first time over, um, you know, our, you know, past kind of connections to punk rock and then meeting together again in beer. And, you know, I think you know, that was very much like a, a thing that was in the air at the time was that this is what's happening. And, you know, of course, like I said, it sounds so now. It's true. We had, we almost had like zines, like people wrote about totally. it. People gave a fuck about the writing and I was relevant for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and then craft beer got too popular and all of a sudden yeah. it's like, oh, there's another IPA and it's some like bullshit well, punk band that is coming on to try to ride yeah. the coattails of Green yeah. Day. It's true. I've, I've said this before on the show, but I feel like we're like post-craft now. Like I bet Bod's got some Miller High Life in his fridge right now. I'm just guessing. Uh, I, no, I don't have Miller High Life, but uh, I do buy like, like, most of the beer I drink is from Great Lakes because uh, it is very accessible to me. Sure, your fridge is full of low fills. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do buy beer from the LCBO once in a while, and it's mostly German lager. Okay. Uh, once in a while, Czech lager. And uh, other than that, I mean, I buy Belgian beer. Um, There's no sneaky macros? You getting our way back into your life? No. I. You know what? Macros to me are... They're, they are totally fine if you drink them very cold and right. very quickly. Um, and I can drink maybe two or three of them. And then I'm like, oh my God, get this taste out of my mouth. <laughs> that's not like that's, <laughs> I think, you know, there was like, I know, and I know so many people have kind of come back around to being like, no, I actually like, you know, that like they like Miller High Life or they like PBR or whatever. Um, and, you know, the person I was, 10 you know uh 12 years ago would have judged them uh i don't i certainly don't judge anyone for that anymore but right. uh i i it hasn't it hasn't come back for me it's still something that like yeah i mean if i'm at a baseball game or something or if i'm at a party and someone hands me one like yeah i'm not gonna like i'm not gonna be a douchebag about it right. <laughs> but like, it's never something i'll reach for yeah i'm kind of the same way i'm like i need to wash it down with something that has a like a real kind of flavor when i'm get back i 
Because, yeah, I can have a few, uh, whatever, hockey game, baseball game. Yeah. Miller High Life's the exception. I think I just like the bottle, though. <laughs> the bottle rules. And, I mean, yeah. there is there is nothing I love more than uh, classic North American beer graphic design. Like, I, sincerely, I love it so much. And uh, Miller High Life, such really, it's yeah. such a cool bottle. But yeah. I wish I liked the beer more than I do. So I would say okay, we're kind of post-craft and then you, I mean, maybe not you, but you kind of, I feel like people soften or they're over it or you come back around to like good old company. What's your like post-punk dirty secret music? Like I, I, I'll admit right now that I sometimes listen to Chris Stapleton, which is so far from punk. I just, <laughs> the guy's got a wicked voice. It's basically country music, but I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm just an old guy in my garage, but fuck, I like some Chris Stapleton once in a while. Yeah, I mean, what what stuff would I be like, or would you know? I'm I'm not at a point in my life where I'm still like embarrassed to admit to the right. music <laughs> I listen to it. it is, but you know, something that would traditionally be considered embarrassing. You know, I like uh, Phoebe Bridgers uh, and uh, Taylor Swift. Oh yeah, uh, you're I'm not like a, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, but like 1989 is a great pop record. Yeah. Uh, what I got an 11 and 12 year old daughter, uh, so I'm it's it's a lot of Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo. I lean Olivia and I'm taking a lot of heat for that. (laughs) He's got some bangers, like, yeah, that's uh, that's the first time I heard Olivia Rodrigo, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, (laughs) there's like a couple songs that kick ass. (laughs) Nice, well, thanks for coming on the show. Conscious of your time, we're at an hour, and like like to keep it tight because nobody wants to listen to us ramble for too long. But it, cool. it was nice to catch up. I'm, hopefully, yeah. I'll see you in real life sometime soon. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks yeah. For nice meeting you, Matt. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. See ya. Yeah. Do we actually like? Yeah, like, you're gonna go now. Hang up now. Yeah. <laughs> you're done now, Matt. Yeah. Oh, that's true, though. It was nice seeing you, though. <laughs> I don't suppose there's any chance we could throw something about Slowpoke in there. Oh my God, we never got to that. We'll cut this, oh, we'll cut this back. Yeah. What, yeah. Yes. Talk to me about it. That's why that's what was like what interests me when I saw you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll re edit. We will never say goodbye again because we already yeah. did that. We're just going to end it abruptly. Well, I'm going to open another beer. This is a great opportunity. Uh, ben was talking about Slowpoke today, yeah. and I thought, He's like, is hey, I have about... another business that I was really just hoping to plug. Here. I said, "Is this about slow eating? I can get, I can get all over that." Yes. So, Chris, we've known each other forever. Uh, every meal for the last thirty years, where he's been a part of it, he's the last guy to finish. So, he's yeah. like, oh, slowpoke food—that's me. Somebody worked hard on that food, which is a good intro for slowpoke, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, I basically over the pandemic, I kind of got into. I've always liked cooking um, and I got into uh, we, we got a, you know, a barbecue at home and it's, I mean, it's a really nice Weber uh, propane grill, but then I immediately was like, well, how can I make this? Like, like I want the food. I, I want, want this it. more hipstery. What can I do? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's more like, how can I make this more complicated? Right. Right. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I kind of got a, a friend of Lackey's, who's now a friend of mine, his name is Zach, he works at Dixon Barbecue, so I was always, like, peppering him with questions about, like, well, what should I do about this, what should I do, and then I started borrowing Lackey's got a Weber Smoky Mountain, so I started uh, messing around with that, and then it kind of slowly 
you know, progressed into something I was more and more into. Um, and basically the, the gist of the business is just this little side thing I do where, um, I cook food over like actual fire. Um, so all wood, sometimes like I use a bit of charcoal, but, uh, for the most part, it's like actual, like logs of wood, uh, which not like pressurized lumber. No, not, not pressurized lumber. No, uh, no, it's all, it's all sourced from Ontario. I got it from a guy who has a tree removal business. Um, so he cuts down trees and this is like his side business is, uh, he, uh, air cures it naturally, uh, as opposed to kiln drying it. Uh, and, uh, then yeah, I buy it to, to cook with. Uh, so it's, you know, I really, was happy when I found this guy because I was like, okay, this he's not going out to cut down trees. Like nothing's getting, you know, um, trees aren't getting cutting down just for this. They're trees that are getting cut down anyway. And mm -hmm. I'm just use of the the wood that isn't getting turned into furniture. I mean, that's I see a Christmas tree behind you, so you're kind of a hypocrite. That's true. That's <laughs> that tree was already cut down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, for a Christmas tree, but it was already oh. cut down almost hours earlier. I you know what? I I should have been prepared for that and I could have made up a lie that it was a, uh, that it was an artificial as long tree. as you didn't pay for the tree. If you're like our good friend Leon, who had a, his tradition was drunkenly steal a Christmas tree from Loblaws every year. Like <laughs> bring home I giggling. Stealing from Loblaws. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is there a, like is there a big change in the flavor profile depending on the wood that you uh that you're cooking with? Yeah if you cook the same burger over like cherry wood versus apple wood, would you really taste the difference? A, a burger no because you're gonna be cooking that very quickly. Right. So it's only going to pick up so much smoke. You will get some smoke, but you're not going to pick up enough to I see. Um, be able to tell the difference. Um, if you're doing something like a, like a brisket or uh, you know pork butt or something that's going to be on uh, that's going to be cooking for like you know anywhere from eight to twenty hours, then yeah, you can definitely uh, tell the difference once you get used to it. Right? Like it's like it's the same as like saying, um, well, can you really tell the difference between Citra and Mosaic? And it's like, well, if you no. don't. <laughs> Most people know. Yeah, the, the no, but like if, you know, they are different. And yeah, like, of course. You know, if you're someone who drinks exclusively IPAs or if you're the brewer that makes them like. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Ben's got a very discerning palate. Uh, you know, he yeah. can't tell the difference between different hops. He doesn't host a podcast. No, I said it? most people. <laughs> yeah. I have a very sophisticated palate. No, but how do you, here's my question. How do you keep that smoke going? Here's where I'm like the worst like smoker guy. I've got a Bradley fully automated with the pellets. I do nothing. I drop the pellets in and then I walk away and they're like, yeah. you open it up and look at it. Like it's antithetical to what you're doing basically. But like, how do you keep the fire smoking at the right rate and everything for that long? Um, so what I do, so I guess, you know, where I should start is that, um, you know, the name Slowpoke more comes from like who I am as a person. Uh, most of the, like, I, I do things slowly and methodically and, um, you know, it's because I'm trying to do them really well. 
uh some people find that infuriating but right. like if you're delivering what, this shit that's not really endearing like, i yeah. assumed it was your sexual style yeah, I, yeah. everyone appreciates that um, i can't go faster this is what it's gonna be done yeah. uh so most of the the food i do is more as opposed to low and slow it's more like hot and fast or at least medium uh fast and hot um that see that's my sex life medium hot and fast yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so but what i do and this would be the same no matter what temperature you're kind of doing it at is if you're using um like actual like wood um i burn it down separately in a burn barrel uh, so it's this, it's basically just a converted 55 gallon drum, um, but that's been treated to be food safe. Um, and I have a fire going in there, coals drop down through these like rebars and I scoop them out and put them, uh, onto where I'm cooking. But then also I will cook over an actual fire sometimes mm -hmm. certain dishes. This sounds like an afternoon just drinking and be like, this burger takes time, but you're just getting wasted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it does take a long time. Uh, <laughs> it adds a significant amount of time onto, it makes everything more complicated and more, you know, adds a million steps, but. Uh, so, so as a business, where, mm -hmm. like, where are, you, where are you selling? Are you, people aren't hiring you to come to their backyard to take a few hours to cook them a piece of meat. Not yet, although I'd love that. If yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, like if someone was like having like or you know, uh, anniversary party or you know, hey, we're having like a very casual backyard wedding. Like, will you come? You know, cater it for way less money than I would have to pay a normal wedding caterer. I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do that. That sounds great. I'll okay, bring so I'll bring the beer from Great Lakes too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm having a party in my backyard this summer. I'm like, I got six people coming over. I've got beer on tap. It's a pool party. What what are you bringing? What's the menu? Uh, I I mean, I would ask you what the vibe was. Like, if it was like a pool party, just having fun, I'd be like, let's make some. No food. fun. No, no, no. Fun no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be boring. I've been there before. The worst part. <laughs> um, no, I'd be like, let's make some fun sandwiches, or you know, um, I do my, you know, the kind of thing that really kind of turn my head into like wanting to turn this into something that I do for other people uh is uh, a dish called Cornell chicken um which was uh you know I've, I've always kind of been interested in you know I think in the same way that what attracted me to stuff like Cezanne uh I've kind of been interested in like the kind of anthropological aspect of of food and drink and so there was this um dish called Cornell chicken that this guy corn al chicken you know, uh like you know uh cornell university that's, that's what i was going to joke mm -hmm. you were saying but you really are saying that yeah um so there's this guy that worked there is the same guy that invented chicken nuggets uh so yeah. um, <laughs> that whatever you think of chicken nuggets he's who to blame or thank um, uh delicious go ahead they're delicious you can't argue with it um but so he is his, i guess his entire job was like coming up with ways to uh like convince americans to eat more chicken <laughs> um and so he came up with this uh is a of... cow in a mask sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, it's it, three cows in a trench coat yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> huge man <laughs> yeah uh 
so he came up with this way of cooking chicken at like for like um you know like the the fire muster or the you know the the church picnic type stuff uh where you would do a marinade in vinegar and um an egg uh and and salt and like very lightly seasoned and then you would grill it over charcoal or or wood or or whatever you wanted really um and it was a way of like doing it uh cooking a whole shitload of food for a shitload of people at a price that everyone could afford and that really appealed to me as as like a hey that's a that's you know um it's it's cool that he figured out a way to do this where like he didn't really compromise on anything he just figured out a smart way to do it that kind of works for everybody and that appealed to me a lot so i kind of started playing around with the recipe and you know one of the first things i figured out was that it was uh seasoned in a way that would have uh, appealed to you know people of my parents generation uh meaning uh very 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 lightly <laughs> yes, yeah. <limited. laughs> yeah so i you know i immediately started modifying that and you know like playing around and just making the flavors a lot bigger uh adding you know some some heat to it some spice um and i spent a good you know four or five months kind of working on the recipe and that was kind of chicken three meals a day in your backyard <laughs> it's oh, a I, definitely, I mean uh, brie my partner at one point was like i do not want to eat that chicken again um so you know that was kind of it was in the process of doing that and like i like came to realize that like I'm I'm working on something here and now I'm kind of getting close to getting it to where I want it and now I, I you know it's like everything else I've done in my life whereas I, I want to share it with people nice awesome so what like what would people do if they wanted to try your stuff like you have I've been, I found you on Instagram which is how we ended up here but like yeah. so I've been doing pop-ups uh, I've done a couple at Great Lakes uh, for their, like, they have markets, um, you know, like where people are selling, you know, like crafts and, and that kind of thing. And they'll have, I know what a market is, Matt. I'm 40. Okay. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, I've done a couple of those and, uh, I did, uh, at, there's a really great winery called Paradise Grapevine, uh, in Toronto. They have, um, they have a location that's a bar and then they have a winery on Geary uh basically like right in between greater good and blood brothers how is geary uh, so cool like remember when it was just like indy had their barrel room and we were like what is this yeah. shit street? and now it's fucking amazing yeah i mean i think it's it's like i feel like it uh followed the pattern that so many other places follow where like it was affordable at one time <laughs> something cool gets priced out of right uh you know you know, because at one point Ossington was that too, right? Like when Bellwoods first opened, Ossington was just starting to turn into what it became. Yeah, that was a garage. And those guys picked that location because it was like, well, we found an old auto body shop that uh, you know we can get a good price on the lease. So like, okay, let's let's do it here. Yeah, and I'm certain that's what Blood Brothers actually they where they are now that was the Indie Barrel Room. They originally started. Uh, down the street on Geary out of I never actually saw it but it was right by the rehearsal factory where all like every punk band in Toronto rehearses mm. uh, 
so but yeah i think that's basically it was like it was a place where if you had a cool idea and something that you were passionate about but wasn't gonna get you super rich you could you know rent a space on this street and um you know have, have not not be worried about like how am i going to make 12 grand in rent you know um and you know it just kind of turned into something that like a scene built around that nice so what's your what's your kit when you roll up i'm picturing like that like a sawed in half metal barrel that you open up you yeah just around behind the van that's Back called here. a jerk pan a uh, jerk pan yeah, it's like the. Jamaican. I just use a sock for that. What? <laughs> that is terrible. You knew Rule it was coming. Cut you that all part knew it was You can also call it a dream catcher. It's got many names. Oh, that's. <laughs> We're getting canceled tonight. Yeah. I get to edit this. It's fine. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me on your podcast, Ben. <laughs> Tell us more Tell about, us your, more about your, your burgeoning business. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so right now I have the the burn barrel that I got made custom, and then uh, in true punk rock fashion, I have uh, Lackey's old Weber kettle that's beat to hell, and a uh, vertical Broil King charcoal smoker that I bought off Facebook Marketplace for like a hundred bucks. I was kind of like, I don't want to dump a whole bunch of money into this a because I don't have a whole bunch of money, and b because I don't know if like doing this makes any sense whatsoever so i'm just gonna get cheap stuff and deal with the you know it's the same as like you can play a cheap guitar and make great music um you're just but you're gonna create a lot more headaches for yourself uh so that's what i'm doing right now and if this grows into something more then you know i'll get like a real rig made i have been talking to um there's a company called morris co ironworks that they've built a lot of live fire rigs for other like people that are kind of doing similar type of stuff. Um, someone listening to this podcast is like, I do that. I want to do that. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. Someone's, someone's going to reach Let it. me forge something for Bob. <laughs> See, I, uh, I feel I had the similar approach to, to, I tried it for the basketball team in high school. Yeah. In my Converse All-Stars. Nice. And I was like, <laughs> if I make the team, I'll buy proper shoes. Yeah, they didn't make the team. I think it was the shoes. Uh, you know what? He was the team manager. You know what? It was all, all... best of both worlds. I got to travel. Didn't need to buy expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so if you if you like, where would you? How? What's your geography? Like, I'm like, can you come to Stormstead? I mean, Kyle's. Kyle, you probably have to fight Kyle's fried chicken. He's got a lockdown on the pop ups at the breweries here. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, I definitely like like everything. So. Uh, I don't, I'm, you know, living in Toronto, I don't own a vehicle, so I rent a van, uh, Great Lakes has been nice enough to lend me, uh, vehicles once or twice, but, um, you know, so it would be like, uh, okay, how does this make sense? If they were like, we're going to have 200 people there yeah. for like an event, then I'd be like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds fun. Uh, whereas it was like, yeah, you come down on a Saturday, you know. Uh, sometimes it's busy. Then, like, I would be like, ah, I, you know, I probably can't. you're probably not coming to my pool party this summer. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, the 200 people. That's the minimum. Yeah, no, he's not coming to your backyard. Uh, to drive to London, maybe. <laughs> uh, or like, you know, I would be happy if, like, you know, if anyone uh, knows any, you know, like wealthy, like investment bankers or something that's like 
like I want to hire this guy to come, you know, cook me a, a prime rib roast over a fire and, you know, uh, you know, corporate retreats. That could be your vibe. You can be the corporate retreat guy. I mean, I, if, if, uh, if that could, uh, you know, fund. Chris, what's the bank? Uh, I mean, I know wealthy people. What's the Christmas party for the bank? You guys want to eat some? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll connect offline on this. That's what the wealthy investment bankers say. Sounds good. (laughs) Uh, Okay. This is an important question. We talked about the meat a little, but what's your side game? I mean, I can't just eat chicken. I need some good slaw. What are we talking here? Yeah, so I, I do, uh, with the chicken, I serve slaw, and then um, is, they're called hoe cakes. So I, I know hoe that, cakes. yeah, you got to resist the urge to make a... I'm not going to do it. Like my ADT joke there. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's a savory corn cake. Uh, they're mainly eaten in Tennessee, hmm. uh, but I make them fresh to order. And uh, it's kind of like something that certain types of Tennessee barbecue would would come with corn uh, with hoe cakes. Interesting. Uh, and you know, for that, I I wanted to do cornbread originally, uh, but two things. Uh, one is that I was like, "Oh, how am I going to make like ten loaves of cornbread?" You know, in advance, because I can't really bake on a you know, or at least not reliably bake on a you know on a grill on a fire grill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then my other thought was like, if I'm going to make cornbread, I want to make traditional Southern cornbread as opposed to Northern style cornbread, which is sweet. And people aren't going to like that. So I, you know, I found this recipe and I was like, well, this is something no one's, no one has ever heard of. So they won't have any expectations. So it can be, you know, uh, no one's going to be upset when they get it and it doesn't align with what their, you know, kind of perception of what, uh, what it is should be. Mm. I, the best cornbread I had had jalapenos involved. It was like not what I was expecting at all, and it was so good. Yeah, man. jalapenos and cornbread's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so you're coming down the summer. We'll figure. We'll rent you a van. We'll get more people to Ben's place. Yeah, I can get seven right. or eight people back there. No problem. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I did think about like reaching out to Nick or someone. I don't know the guys at Storm State, but you know. I thought about like reaching out to Nick or, or Milos or someone and be like, Hey, you want to do an event this summer? Like, cause I still, you know, I grew up in St. Thomas, so I still got lots of friends in the area. Make and... a weekend of it. Do them all. Do a rotate. Fork River's got a big old parking lot. Storm State's got a big old parking lot. Anderson's got lots of room. I would say Milos and Beer Lab would be the hardest ones because they're downtown with like no parking lot. But yeah, we can make yeah. this happen. They're listening right now. Justin. Yeah. Hey, guys, pick up the phone or get on Instagram and Slowpoke Food. Yeah, Slowpoke Food Project. I'm so glad hang up with you. Oh, glitched. We're finally glitching. Are you okay? Are you still there? I'm still okay, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, literally had like, I was about to hit the red, like, end meeting button when you're like, hey, can we mention my other thing? <laughs> like, yes, right. Thank you. Cool. Well, can we do the goodbyes again, or should we just edit back in the older goodbyes? Uh, you guys are the podcast experts. So Let's well. do a double goodbye. It'll be a oh. bonus for anyone that listens. Whoa. We'll wait five minutes for the second <laughs> goodbye. Oh, that, yeah, it's like the hidden track. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, man. Good meeting you, Matt. I do want to eat your food. I was kind of joking around, but like, if there's a way we can have an event in my backyard, and you can come and cook and just party and drink with us, let's make it happen. We'll figure something like that out. Yeah. Okay, you can borrow Chris's van. 
Well, you can stay at my house. I live near Whoa, a bend. This is getting serious. But I mean, if you're gonna party and drink with us all day, you can't go home. So true. Yeah. Yeah, we really are. We're planning a weekend for you. Well, we'll get back to you with an itinerary. All right. Sounds good. Let me know the menu too. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Matt. See you, man. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Bye. A longhorn. Longhorn longer? Do I look like a sarsaparilla man to you? One longhorn coming up. Longhorn Lager by Farmer's Creed Beer. Grab the bull by the horns at select beer and LCBO stores. Banky, you ever been kicked in the head by a bull?